say a couple of things before we get started. Uh, first of all, uh, the material that we're going to be talking about is from a curriculum that Chris and I have done together and we've done with a group of couples in the past called The Art of Marriage. Uh, so this isn't stuff that we made up and came up with our, our own, and we like to give credit to Family Life who, oh. There we go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Sorry about that. But we want to give credit to Family Life because uh, set it up. their material, when you attend a conference and you attend a, a, a series with them, they give you the opportunity to share and use the material as long as you're not asking people to give you money for it. Uh, so. I want to point that out. The other thing I want to point out is that the things that we're going to be talking about here are not uh, the extreme type of relationship things where someone is in an abusive relationship or someone is uh, dealing with uh, sexual abuse or other things like that. I mean, we're talking about the day-to-day, -day, uh, let's say, surface things that occur between couples and relationships. So I don't want anybody to get offended at anything we say and think that we're talking about a more extreme situation. We're not counselors, we're not psychologists, so we're not trained to handle those kinds of things. But we are a couple who's been married a long time, done a lot of things, had a lot of things go on, and we're still together. Amen. So we want to talk about how people and couples can navigate those kinds of things. So um, with that, Pastor Audrey, could you put up that uh, picture, please? So I thought this uh, could start us off. This, this, this uh, picture is from a 1987 series called Married with Children. And in this series, um, it's about a misogynistic married gentleman named Al Bundy. Uh, he's married to Peg Bundy, who is uh, in the middle there next to him. Um, and this series, the whole thing with this series is it was designed to poke fun at marriage. And they always say in the beginning as they're singing the song, love and marriage go together like a horse and carriage. But if you ever saw this series, it did anything but go together like a horse and carriage. It was more like a horseless carriage ramming down a road with no destination and you know what happens when you have that. So I just thought that's a good contrast uh, of one of the many things and one, one of the many ways that in a counterculture, people view marriage and love. And when I talk about counterculture, I'm talking about, as our pastor has always said, we are Christians, so our culture is God's culture. Counterculture is anything outside of that. Amen. So just to point out what I'm talking about with counterculture. Uh, so we see all these different types of uh, spins on marriage and love, and some of them can be confusing uh, in everyday life. So what we want to try to do today is clear up some of those things. So I want to read a scripture for you that, first of all, in the Word, talks about marriage and how it speaks of marriage. Could you put that up, Pastor, please? Okay. So Ephesians 5, verse 31 through 32 says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. So God's plan for marriage uh, defines it as a man and a woman becoming one, all right? 
And when we talk about becoming one, we're talking about working through the good times, the bad times, and everything in between, and staying together as one couple. We're not talking about the bailing because this is hard or I don't feel like doing this right now. We're talking about becoming one. And as we talk more about this, you'll understand what that becoming one means. Uh, I can't go off and do my own thing. Chris can't go off and do her own thing. We're together, and whatever it is, as one flesh, we're going to deal with it. That's the way the word speaks of marriage. The other thing that gets a lot of uh, confusing talk and spin is love. So if you put up the other scripture, Pastor, I appreciate it. So let's talk about what the word says about love in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So when you look at that definition of love from the word, um, that's God's view of love. I'm going to compare that to our performance-based view of love that we have today. Uh, God's love is unconditional. Uh, God loves you. He loves me. He loves the rapist, the murderer, the abuser. He loves us all. He doesn't like the things that we do that are outside his word, but he loves us. Uh, our performance-based system is if Chris <coughs> cooks dinner for me, makes a nice home, I'll go out and earn the bacon, I'll bring it home and she can fry it up and everything will be happy. But if she fails to do one of those things, I've got a problem now. If I decide I'm not going to go out and work, and you know, Chris is going to have to go to work, now she might have a problem with me. Because we're not meeting each other's expectations. Our view of love is based on how the other person performs and whether they meet or not meet our expectations. Wow. And that is not what God calls love. So the two readings that I just read to you, they define what marriage is and what love should look like in a marriage. If the word of God is the will of God, and I for one believe that it is, I really believe that, uh, those two passages can help us understand how God wants us to demonstrate his love in our relationships and in our marriages. So if two people like Chris and I, or two people like any two people out in the audience here, if you decide to intentionally and purposefully approach marriage and relationship the way the word tells us to, and there are many other verses, I just use these passages, uh, but if we approach it that way, they're probably going to get as close as possible to a perfect relationship or a perfect marriage, as anyone could probably hope to be. But I want to be perfectly clear about one thing. There's no perfect relationship. There's no perfect marriage. Does not exist. Uh, but you know, many times people have this expectation of both that is very superficial in nature, and it's based on the models and examples that we see around us, sometimes even in our own homes, which may not always reflect God's design. Uh, so let's talk just for a little bit about the purpose of marriage. Uh, 
and I'm going to get to what the Bible says the purpose of marriage is. But there is a couple of things I want to say. Marriage, get ready for it, folks. Marriage is not primarily about you. It's not about me. It's not even about Chris. It's about something much bigger. And I'm going to get to that in a second. The other thing about marriage and relationships, all right, because I want to cover both, because what we're speaking about works in marriages and relationships. And what I want to say is it is just as important to become the right person as it is to find the right person. Wow, that's good. So when Chris and I met, we kind of felt, I felt right from the beginning when I first saw she's the right person for me. She didn't think that, by the way. <laughs> she actually told me she's not even going to go out with me. So anyway, I, I could have approached we that. We worked together. We worked together. We worked together. <laughs> tell <laughs> But I could have approached that uh, in a different way. And I could have looked at, OK, well, maybe she's not right. Maybe she doesn't have this. She doesn't have that. She doesn't have the other thing. But I didn't. I looked at that as a way for me to just, in my own way, show her that I'm the guy for you. <laughs> and maybe I did, maybe I didn't. She'll tell you more about that later. But <laughs> she definitely will. But again, it, it's important that we become the right person in our marriage. Uh, and that doesn't mean we're always going to meet the other person's expectation, but it does mean that we have to work at it so that that person can look at us and know that, okay, this is who I should be with. This is it, who I it also be. ties into what Pastor Andre was talking about last week about filling the Jesus hole, mm -hmm. where, you know, there's things in our lives that are missing, and we look to others to fill that space. And sometimes we look in the wrong place for those things to fill that space. And um, when we were reading over this, um, it reminded me, how it tied into what he was saying last week. And for us to kind of remember that a lot of times we're looking in not a good place for, for whatever it is that's missing in our relationship, that we need to look to Jesus for that. All right. And you don't mind me interrupting. I don't mind, honey. You can interrupt me anytime. <laughs> so, and I'm going to say, Pastor Andre always tells us that, you know, there's nothing new out there. People take information from different sermons they hear, from different things they hear from people. And uh, I'm going to mention something here that I actually stole from a person who actually showed up today from my sister, me, sitting right there in the front row. <laughs> I was seeing her a week or so ago, and she said something. And I said, you know what? That is so profound. I'm going to use that. Uh, yes. And basically what I'm talking about is there's this myth in our society that we've got to find the one. The, the one for me. The one that special that one. completes me. The one who completes me. Uh, my better half. Well, my sister last week said, you know what? We don't need to find a better half. God made us whole. Ooh. I said, I'm going to use that. <laughs> he did make us whole. He made us complete. <laughs> and the myth of the one is not biblical. It's not. And basically to us, I believe the one you marry is the one with whom you're supposed to make a life. That's good. That's the one for you. Cheers. So if you need to be more complete, 
than God made you, there's only one more completion that you need to do, and that is to be completed in Jesus Christ. That's the only completeness you're going to find other than what you have already. So, But the ultimate purpose of marriage is to reflect God's image in your life, in your wife's life, in your husband's life, in your boyfriend's life, in your girlfriend's life. It's to reflect God's image, to show love, to show grace, to show mercy, to show unconditional love, reflecting what God did always to us. So we're not saying here, we're not sitting up here and telling you that Chris and I are there yet. No. We're not. We're not there yet. Uh, but what we do know is that, and we do, is we work on it every single day. Uh, and we, we never thought that years ago, uh, the experiences that we've had in our marriage, uh, we just never really expected that we would ever be using that experience as a testimony to help other people. But we do. And I'm going to let Christine tell you a little bit more about how that goes for us. Um, we were at a point in our marriage years back where we were pretty much finished. We were, we had moved to Massachusetts and um, Ben was ready, to, you know, he felt it was the best thing for the family, um, that was the best thing for us at the time, and I prayed a lot about it. I was in a good space um, with my spiritual life. Um, I was so I prayed a lot about it. I asked God to show me signs. Is this, you know? And what wound up happening was pretty much every reason that I had not to go, God showed me that that's not going to work. You you need to go. You need to go. There were simple things uh, in every step along the way. And it came to a point, and again, the, a few things I'm going to talk about today are, we're talking about marriage, but I'm also talking about the supernatural transformation that God gave Ben and I in our lives. And not to sound like real, but, but, but it's real. Like, it's, it's real. If, you, if you're in tune to him, it's real, and it's there, and you can find it. And... The things that he that were all my issues um, were being tossed aside. To finally one point when my mother said to me, you you know, if you go there, what if he loses his job and then you guys have no family? I said, Mama, I, I don't really care. I believe that this is this is what we're supposed to do. And she looked at me really strangely because that's not my personality. I was I'm negative Nancy. I was coming up with all the reasons not to go. <laughs> And, um, but I had this confidence, and I wasn't worried. And that's how I knew it was God, because I wasn't worried at all about what we were going to do. When we got there, it's a whole different story, but in that moment, when we were making the decisions, um, I, just, I just felt really confident that we were doing the right thing. And in saying that, um, what I wanted to share with you is, throughout our marriage, um, we've been through a lot of things, and from having a son with a disability to um, the cultural differences in our marriage, um, from my family background, his family was very accepting of me from the very beginning, which they are amazing. Um, <laughs> there may have been a little bit of an issue on my side of the family. Some were not so accepting. My parents were, they just fell in love with him when they, when they met him but there was a lot of stuff that went on. 
And that's why I wanted to share with you um, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. And this is from the message. And, and this is for everyone in your everyday life with struggles that you're going through. Um, all praise to God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of mercy. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. And this version's from the message. All praise to God the Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings along some, someone else alongside of you who is going through hard times so that we could be there for that person just as God was there for us. And this has been what gets me through just about every trial that you know Ben and I have gone through over the past few years. I, I just focus on this scripture because it's just so true and it gives purpose and meaning to the suffering. And um, and when you are able to help someone, you know, you just at that point you say you say to yourself, "Wow, the wisdom that I learned from that situation, I was able to share with someone else." So I just wanted to kind of share that scripture because it's it's saved me many many times. Um, so just going down a little bit of um, what I wanted to talk about in in this part of our testimony was how we got to a place where our marriage was saved. Um, and the words that came to me when I was going over this and praying about it was, God led us down a path to get to a place where we would find him. Amen. This, this journey that Ben and I went through was God's plan. And what I love about the Lord is that he is so patient and doesn't give up on us yes. Yes. and yes. there were so many times when, when I was not listening and I did not want to hear what he had to say I wanted to do it my way not his way and these things that he showed us along the way I was I'm still to this day in awe of him how he just doesn't give up and he wanted this union he wanted this union. We're together because God wanted us to be together. Awesome. So I talked a little bit about the move. Um, what had happened with that was, um, thank you, Pastor. I'm short, so we don't know where that got. Sorry, that's perfect. Thank you. Um, so the first year was really, really difficult. Um, we had no support. We went to Massachusetts. We knew no one. Again. What, like I said, once I got there, I was like, God, really? Like, this is, are we really supposed to be here? I have no help. I have, looking back now, when I look back on it, we had a neighbor who, the Sharmas, who were amazing to us. They became like family. We met friends. So looking back, God put people in our lives to get us through this. But at the time, I wasn't having it. I hated it there. I cried to my mother. I was on the phone. I hate it here. Why would God send us here? There was nobody to help me. Richie's and he's here and poop on the walls and all. And I've got like nobody to help me. He's not coming home from work because he's got a. This is a new job. He has to be there till like seven eight o'clock at night. He was studying for his CFA, which meant when he came home, 
he was in the room studying uh, for hours. So again, it was just me and the kids. And I had no support and I hated it. And I started to really resent him. In a way, I can't explain it. Like, I knew I loved him, but I couldn't stand his face. Like, when he would, <laughs> would walk in the room, or I, I hear the garage door open, and I would be like, oh, you know? He's going to come in, and he was going to criticize and disrupt everything. I've got everything laid out the way it works now, and now he's going to come in and throw his little bomb in it. And so, it, and I honestly can say, I really, really didn't like him. I don't want to say I hated him, but, and I, I, I said to him, I, I said to him, I said, do you mind me sharing this part of it? Because I don't want anybody to, you know, to think that I hate my husband, but the feelings were real. The, the the distaste for him and the ugh, frustration. <laughs> so I was really miserable. So what wound up happening was um, we wound up um, doing, we went, he wanted to get counseling, I didn't. He wanted to see a marriage counselor, I didn't. I was just gonna live with the situation. We need to stay together for the kids, let's just live with it. I don't really wanna do the work because I don't like you, and I'm not really into doing the work of keeping us together, because I'm done, I'm done. So finally, I listened to him, and he kind of was like, well, if, if we don't do this, then we're gonna have to get a divorce. And I'm thinking, oh, go ahead, use a threat, I don't care, we get a divorce, I don't care, that's fine. But God was there the whole time, and I said, all right, let's go see a counselor. So we saw a counselor. She helped out. Uh, things went, went well for a while, but then everything kind of went back to the way it was. Um, so then, this is a story probably for a small group or another time, I'm, I'm for, the, for, the, for time. Um, we had an angel that helped us find a new church, and in that new church, um, one of the um, sessions they were doing was on marriage. And the book that, that I, I just want to plug the stuff they use because it was amazing. His Needs, Her Needs. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Yeah, that was the book they, they were using. So that was kind of our first introduction into um, kind of like a marriage counseling. It was a small group. It was couples. We got to know some really good friends through that. And one of the things the pastor and his wife said that's kind of stuck with Ben. You can interject if you want. They said that they would never use what they called the D word. They never used the word divorce in their marriage. That was one of the things that they learned. Because we would use it as a threat all the time. You know, like, you know, if you keep this up, I'm get, we're getting a divorce. And we would throw that at each other and we would use it to hurt each other. So when, and what happens is when you constantly throw that word out there, the person that you're throwing it out to, whether it's your wife, your husband, or both are throwing it at each other, you never really know if that person is really all in. You never really know if you can really, really trust that person. Because if they're talking about it, they could be going tomorrow. So. Very good. <laughs> so, um, so that was the first step. Then what we did, we did the, um, the weekend to remember. And a couple of you know about it. Um, it's a weekend retreat for marriage for married couples, single uh, single couples, engaged couples. Um, everyone's there from 
you know, married 50 years with a beautiful marriage to people that were there. This is their, like, their last, last shot. The last shot. <laughs> like, it, the range is amazing. And it was the first one we went to. And again, there was the supernatural <laughs> thing that happened. And I look at Pastor Andre because he talks about it all the time. It is just so true. You know, like, and I love sharing about it because it's so true. So what happened was there's a lot to go on. Um, you got your little book and you do your assignments. And Ben and I were doing one of our assignments. And um, it's for a weekend, by the way. Yeah, it's a whole weekend. Um, there was one, there's actually one in King of Prussia coming up. We'll talk about Yeah, and then there's another one coming up in the Poconos. Um, but anyway, yeah, let me get back on track. So, um, so we were doing one of our assignments, and he he said something to me, and it was like he was like showing like these signs of anxiety, and I said to him, I said, you know, what what is the matter with you? Why are you acting so anxious about everything? And he's like, well, you want me to be more like you, don't you? And I said, no. I don't want you to be like me. If you were like me, I couldn't live with you. <laughs> Bing. Transformation. I need to work on me. It's not just all about him. I need to work on me because he's my rock. If he becomes this anxiety-ridden person who, who I fell in love with him for his strength, but it was his strength which started to annoy me because he was bossy and he was in charge and and I didn't like it anymore. I'm an independent woman. I don't need you telling me what to do. But at that point in time, it was a total transformation um, in that what wound up happening, and I swear to you, I don't usually swear, but when we went home Monday, when we were, it was Monday, the weekend, after the weekend to remember, I heard the garage door open, and when he came upstairs, I was thrilled to see him. I, I, I really was. I was excited to see him. And that, that had to be God, because that, that hardness that I had in my heart could only be softened by the Lord. That, that was not my doing. That was God's doing. So again, supernatural transformation. That was just amazing. So where we went from there... Um, we started seeing a Christian counselor um, because at that point I, I believed that we needed to work on the marriage and I wasn't going to just live with it anymore. And I want to interject here. The, the Christian counselor that we started seeing uh, was someone who I rode That's the train the with to That's and from uh, work. I rode the train with this fellow, talked with him, knew he was a pastor, did not know he was a counselor, but someone introduced him. Wait a minute, is this Norm Townsend? And so we wound up seeing uh, him as our Christian counselor. Thank you. Uh, go on, honey. Okay, let's go ahead and get my mic. Finish up. <laughs> okay, yeah, we gotta watch time here. Okay, so what he spoke about, and actually we, no, but let me do this. No, we're going back to Um, so. <laughs> no, that's good. Let me raise it just a little bit. Okay, sorry guys. So we started seeing him and actually we started seeing him because there were other issues going on in the family. We had some family struggles and we wanted to go to a fa family counselor, but it wound up being a marriage counselor. 
So again, praise God. He made it happen. He led the path. I had a whole other intention to see in a Christian counselor. And then he kind of shared with us the five love languages. That was another resource that we used. Um, another one, you know, we recommend, and Ben and I can get you this information after if, if any of you are interested. And we went through that, and that was really helpful. And one of the things that he said to us that, um, that I remember completely, because uh, I think Ben thought it was great because it was, it was going to be a guy, it was his friend, probably not going to take my side. And one of the things he said, which was awesome, was we were fighting, of course we were fighting, we were fighting in every, every time we got together. And what's great about the marriage counselor is they kind of like, you know what, Chris, let, let him talk. Or Ben, let her finish. Or, you because know, we're going at it. And then, and he would say to us, you know, you could be right all the time, but you could be right and alone. <laughs> and that was kind of like, again, another click moment for us where we realized that the fighting wasn't getting us anywhere just because we had to be right. That was not, um, that was not worth the fight, which leads to, I guess, your next. So all of those things we did, and, uh, we, and we also did the art of marriage, but all those things we did were, for us, a way to kind of diffuse the turmoil in our marriage down and to start going about the business of being happily married, happy to see each other, and move on with life. But in spite of all those things, it doesn't mean that there won't still be conflict in your marriage or your relationship. Conflict is common in marriages and relationships, but the thing is, the goal is not to be conflict-free. The goal is to learn how to handle the conflict when it shows up in a good way. Uh, one important thing about it is that healthy resolutions in conflict will only come if and when both parties are willing to seek and give forgiveness. If you're not willing to do that, I'm not sure how things are going to go from that point on. Uh, so what, what really causes conflict in marriage? Well, conflict occurs when our desires and our expectations are not being met. And when we're not getting what we want, there's a problem. Because we want what we want. Doesn't matter who we are, we want what we want. And we want it now. Especially today, we want it now. But you know, many times the expectations are misplaced, they're unreachable. Superman and Superwoman couldn't reach them. <laughs> but we expect our significant others to reach those things. It's not gonna happen. But these expectations, these desires, they come from our cultural differences, they come from our life experiences, they come from our family-based traits and habits, and they even come from the environment we're in at that particular time. Uh, I want you to talk a little bit about our cultural differences and some of the things that caused us a problem early on, mm. just for a minute. Yeah. Um, so, I would say for Ben and I, you would think the obvious would be that we're from two different racial cultures, but that really wasn't the issue. The culture was in disciplining our children. That was the, that was the real, and that's not necessarily racial, but that was like our biggest, and when I tell you that I kind of got to that resentment point with him, this was part of why it happened. And I started to really resent the fact 
that our house went from being a democracy to a dictatorship. <coughs> the dictator, he was in charge of everything, and it was all him, and nothing went anybody else's way. Nobody else could say anything. It had to be his way. My he's way the, or the highway. He's the leader of the family, and you know, and all this. And you know, Ben was raised. You know, Ben was very conservative in thought and how things should be run in the household. And I was a lot more liberal and not, you know, not having it pretty much. And I was, you know, we're together in this, and you know, you're not going to be in charge of me, and you're not going to tell me what to do, and all this other stuff. So not like that today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm softer. I'm softer. I learned. I learned. Um, and I've learned that when I, when we have a conflict and we can't get past it, I, I will pray to God and I will turn it over to my husband and I will just pray that God will intervene if he's wrong. God knows, God knows what's best for us. And I have to trust that if Ben's making the wrong decision, no matter what I say, if he's making the wrong decision, God will intervene and he will do what's best for us so that was when i was able to soften a little bit more on that stance but what wound up happening was i really started resenting um i didn't like the way he disciplined the kids and my daughter would cry i'd be so mad at him and um i would get to the point where it became kind of like you know us me and the kids against him so then he started to become a lot more, felt more alienated. And um, when, he would, when he would come home at night again before all the good stuff happened, he would just kind of go off in his, in his, do his own thing, and me and the kids would do our thing. And he would also, when he would do that, he would also treat me like one of the kids. And when I was treated like a child, I really, really resented it. And I would really, really, that would be like another one of our, our biggest fights because Mr. Perfection knew everything and everybody had to be like him. That was like just the way it was, you know? It's, it wasn't just my way or the highway. It's I know this is the way it needs to be. And, and you know when you used to say that, that would make me nuts. This is what you need to do. This is, you need to do this. Are you, you know, and I'm like, no, I don't need to do anything. I'm, you know, this is ridiculous. You're treating me like a child. So that over time, and then that kind of turned into like the criticism. And the criticism became, and I told him we should share this. So I love to cook. I'm, I'm part Italian, I'm part German and Irish. I love to cook. Very proud of my Italian meals. In the beginning, he just loved my cooking and never heard a sound about it. He would eat it all up, gobble it up, eat his food. I felt good, you know, the Italian mom. I feel good what people are eating. We feel good. Again, that's a culture thing. Got to get over that, right, Pastor? Because that's not, that's not where the goodness comes from. The goodness comes from God, not from the food. Okay, so um, he... Over time, and this all happened when we moved. I don't know why it happened when we moved, but then he would be like, you know, oh, yeah, this is good, but the meat's cold inside, or my the fish is 
isn't crispy and the rice is crunchy. Or something would happen in the course of my heating up food that he didn't like the way it was made. And over time, I was like, I'm not cooking for you. I'm gonna fix it, I'm gonna fix it, I'm gonna put it in the fridge, and when you get home, you heat it up the way you like it. And I'll be the first to admit, and I always say this to her, you know, I'm no prize either. I am one of the most finicky, pickiest people when it comes to food. There's a lot of stuff I don't like and a lot of stuff I want done a certain way. And I think too much of that came out. And she said, you know what? Cook yourself. <laughs> I was done. I was done. I was done with him because for me, again, it was a cultural thing. You know, you're criticizing my cooking. That You're criticizing me. You're criticizing, I'm putting my heart into what I'm doing, and maybe it's not perfect tonight, because the kids were running around, or maybe I threw grilled cheese and soup together. That's not dinner. Okay, well, I really didn't have time to cook anything else. This is what you're getting, you know? And, and these would be like really, really big, big, big fights. And I asked you, tell them what you said when I asked you yesterday, like how, why did that, start to happen. You well, said something about again, I told her, when you start dating someone, or, and then you get married to them, and you know, it's all about love, and everything's great, you kind of don't really talk about the things that annoy you, but the longer you get together, you know, those little things start to, and now you got to say something about them. So it just, it, it, again, after the honeymoon's over, Life begins. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. and, he, and he said what would happen, and, and it was true. If he didn't tell me, I wouldn't know that it wasn't something that he liked. So he would either just eat it and be quiet, or he would say something, and then I would get ticked off at him. So again, that, and that's still a point of contention today. We still have that argument. But we're working on it. Yeah. So that's kind of like the, the critical, talking about criticism is one of the, what, what do we call them? Com the I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Okay, yeah. one of the conflicts. And that, that, so those are things that can be worked out, but when you're in the minute with someone going through this, it's, it's very hard to take a step back and think about what's going on. And I had to learn that his criticisms were not about hurting me necessarily. I, sometimes I think he wanted to get the jab in. He still says he didn't, but sometimes I think he wanted to get the jab in. But some criticisms were based on love and that things that he cared, and that's like other personal things, like I said, we could talk about maybe in a small group or something else. Okay. So we wanted to just kind of share that about picking, picking your battles. Picking your battles. So uh, I'm just going to point out here that uh, there's a psychologist named John Gottman at the University of Washington, and he discovered four of the main drivers of relational and marital conflict. And he called them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> That's what he called them. And the four horsemen are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Now, he said, as marriages and relationships start to break down, people are generally involved in some combination of pursue, withdraw. As one person in the marriage tries to get closer, the other person withdraws. Uh, criticism and defensiveness are part of the pursue aspect, while contempt and stonewalling, they are both about withdrawing from the relationship. So, but one thing about conflict, 
it can be resolved in healthy, positive, productive, loving, and caring ways. It absolutely can be. We are the living proof. Yeah. We've been married 31 years, Woo! and we've had a lot of conflict. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yes. you. You've seen a lot of, you've heard a lot of stuff that we went through. Uh, and some of my family's out there today, and I know they're sitting there wondering, who is that guy sitting up there? <laughs> it's not my brother. Because <laughs> I have, there has been a transformation. Amen. Talk to them, they can tell you about that. But we learned in those 31 years, uh, thanks to the Lord, that if you work, all of that can be part of your marriage, and you can still be happily married and have conflicts and resolve them and still look at one another and be in love. Here's two things that Chris and I learned from our time in the Weekend to Remember retreats and the Art of Marriage. Um, so, husbands, men, strive to lead your wife lovingly and sacrificially. She is not your enemy. When I talk about lovingly and sacrificially, I'm talking about sometimes put your own selfish, self-centered needs behind you and put her first. She needs to know that you are there for her, that she can lean on your strength, she can lean on your wisdom, she can count on you to be there no matter what. When we used to talk about the D word, what I'm saying to her is, okay, you know what? If it gets too rough, I'm leaving. You're going to be on your own, sister. <laughs> How can she respect me and look up to me when she doesn't even know if I'm going to be there tomorrow? And wives, strive to respect and support your husband. He is not your enemy. And that is kind of like what I was talking about earlier, where you learn to respect his role in the marriage and respect him and what he's doing and be in a place where it's you know it's in love and our personalities don't always connect but you you know I say to myself and what I did in, when things were really really rough can I imagine my life without him and I couldn't I knew at that point that I wanted to make it work and he was the one so to respect him give him the respect that he deserves Make him feel like, you know, the man that he is. He's a hardworking, God-loving Christian man who works his butt off, and yet he comes home and he gets dried fish, <laughs> 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 cracked rice. It's really, you know, we just do, we do, that was kind of, I don't, it happens. Ladies, you know, it happens. Love is not working right, whatever, but... But try and, and remember that he deserves that respect as well because he's working hard. He's trying to do what's best for the family. And his intentions are because he loves us and he wants what's best for all of us. And he may not always come off in the best way trying to show us that, but he loves us and that's the bottom line. So, so there will be times that together you and your other person are going to have to grab each other's hands you're going to have to look each other in the eye, and you're going to have to say what? You, you are, are not, not my, my enemy. enemy. <laughs> That's what you're going to have to do. <laughs> so, so, the four horsemen, as God calls them the four horsemen of the apocalypse, they are not the real problem. They are simply the way we generally try to handle the problems, and it ultimately it leads to frustration and it leads to anger. You know, sometimes when I look back at the things we fought about, 
I think to myself, you know, they weren't even worth fighting about. Why did we fight about them? We don't know. <laughs> we have no idea. But ultimately, anger, pride, I'm a proud man, would creep in. I would get angry. Uh, my expectations aren't being met. She's not respecting me, violating my rights. I'm not getting what I want. All of those things and those unfulfilled desires and expectations tend to lead to fighting and anger. Now, here's what the Word of God says about anger. It's in James chapter 1, verse 19 through 20. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So we can manage our conflicts and we can manage our anger uh, without disrespect, without hurtful words, without abuse. Uh, we can do that. You know, the source of our anger, the source of your anger, the source of my anger, the source of Christine's anger, it's in us. Nobody can make you angry. That's good. If you're angry, you've chosen to be angry. That's good. And once you get angry, I always say this, when you get angry, it clouds your judgment. When your judgment's clouded, you make poor, bad decisions. Ones that you're going to regret. So try to control your anger. I have one more I want to talk to you about with anger. A verse from the Bible. Proverbs 15, verse 1 through 2. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. Come on. So you might ask, in my relationship, Christine, should we confront the ones we love? Yes, we should. Okay. So we should. And you know, there's a lot of things in marriage that are not worth fighting for. They're not. First Peter verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 8 says this, And above all things, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. But you know, there are some things in your marriage, in your relationship, that need to be addressed, they need to be discussed, and they need to be resolved. Some things. Some things, yes. Some things. And it's our responsibility as couples and as married people to lovingly confront one another when things are undermining our marriages and our relationships. We have the obligation to do that. It's not easy, and it's not fun. No, it's not. So how do we do that? So we examine our hearts. That's the first thing we need to do. We need to examine our hearts. Um, and I have another verse for you. I love Bible verses. I love reading them. I love meditating on them. I love thinking about how to use that every day in my life. So Matthew 7, 4 says, How dare you say to your brother or your wife, How dare you say to them, <laughs> Please, let me take the speck out of your eye when you're sitting there with a log in your own eye. <laughs> so examine your heart first. That's the first thing. The second thing is spend time in prayer. You give me the next slide, the pastor. Oh, I'm sorry, you're there, you're there. Uh, spend time in prayer. And the reason we say spend time in prayer because God is faithful and he's always good to us. Trust him. Trust in the Lord, always. And it's not always easy when you're in the midst of this to just stop and pray. Sometimes you don't feel like praying. 
if you're in the middle of an argument or a confrontation, but it doesn't mean we don't try and you don't think about it and you don't think about, you know, how can, how can we deal with this? Let's go to God. God has the answers. Right. All the, it's all in the it's all in the Bible. God has the answers. Let's look to Him to try and resolve this. The other thing you want to do is you want to check your motives. Yeah, that's a big one. And you want to choose your timing wisely. Mm. So when it's time to confront, when it's time to confront, okay. Next slide. There's another scripture. You're going to find scripture with me always. Ephesians four fifteen. <clears throat> Speak the truth in love. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, and that is Christ. Next slide. Choose your words carefully. Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt speech proceed out of your mouth, but such as is good for edifying as the need may be, that it may give grace to them that hear. I'm going to go off for a second and tell you, I used to say things, and my wife used to say things to me, that when we think about it now, some of the names we use, some of the language we use to one another, wow. I look at her and I think to myself, how could I say that to a woman that I say I love? How can I call her that, use those words with her, and then look her in the eye again and expect for her to think I love her? Right, right. No way. Uh, Thanks be to God. We don't say those things to each other now. We know that's disrespectful, hurtful, and a little gender here. Men have an easy time forgetting things. I'm not forgetting. <laughs> they don't forget. Uh, it could be two, three years down the road. Years ago. They Do you remember don't. that time that you told me? That's right. Yeah. I remember. So just be careful of the words you use. All right? So things to consider uh, when it's time to confront your person. Number one, is it worth it? Can you let this thing go? So first of all, are you being petty? Is this thing really important? Is, is it something that really, really you can't live with? The other thing is, what, what habit or pattern of yours or mine may have contributed to the need to confront to begin with? Uh, did I once again throw my dirty clothes on the floor in my bedroom when she's asked me 15 times? Put those in the hamper, please. Uh, did she, uh, did you pull the car up and block oh. the, the garage again after I've asked you 15 times? to stop doing that. I have to go all the way around the back of your car to get through to the other side. Uh, it, really, are we doing the same things habitually over and over again? Uh, Chris used to pull the car up and then I'd go in the garage and he'd go over the other day. So I'm gonna walk all the way through around the car but I could just go if she didn't pull up. So we actually, I found a way to fix that without telling her about it. I went out and I bought this thing that you sit right where you want it and as she pulls up to the car, is it, is it, it has a little rod that comes in the stop sign, and when the car touches it, it blinks. It lights up. And again, I thought, okay, I'm not going to even say anything, but this is a fight we have. How can I stop this fight? It cost $12. I went out and bought it. 
She's she's happy with us. We've never had that discussion again since I bought that. So there's a lot of things we can do to calm down and diffuse things, so they don't have to be a confrontation. The other thing is, uh, have you spent time praying about this issue? I don't have a slide for this, but Psalms 34:17 says that when we go to God in prayer, He hears us, and He will help us out of all our troubles. Not just this trouble, not just two, not just all of them. Pray and ask the Lord for wisdom, guidance, and now the thing with praying, I've got to say, you need to have a relationship with the Lord. You need to know how he speaks to you, mm. how he confirms his wisdom to you. That's good. But if you're in that place, pray. And even if you're not, just say, Lord, if you don't know how to pray, just say, Jesus, help me. As a matter of fact, you can just call on the name of Jesus. You don't have to say anything else but that. And he, he's there. So if you don't know how to pray, just say Jesus. And we got a small group coming up that's going to show you how to do that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing, is it the right time to confront? Um, did your wife just come back from getting an awesome massage and she's nice and relaxed and, and now you're going to pounce on her to confront her about something? Bad move at the he wrong be, time. He really does that. He it's does. the wrong time. And I do it too. It's I do the wrong it time. Too. I'm not thinking. I'm thinking about what I need to get off my chest at that moment. I'm not considering what kind of day he had. And those are the things that, one, it's not like it's going to happen overnight, but once you're aware of them, you know, it happens less and less. You can diffuse a confrontation that's, that's going to be another confrontation because she picked the wrong time. So think about that. And the other thing is, what's your motivation? Are you self-focused? Are you being intentionally mean to your spouse? Are you in a jealous rage? Uh, is this a pre-planned attack for something she did last week? Or are you just being abusive? Because we can be abusive without touching a person. Yeah. We can be emotionally, mentally wow, abusive. Uh, there's a lot of ways we in unintentionally abuse people when we don't even know we're doing it. Wow. But just, be, just think about those things. Uh, so we need to think about, am I trying to retaliate or am I trying to restore? Am I trying That's to good. restore unity, harmony in my home and marriage? Am I trying to punish her, like I said, for something she did last week? Or am I trying to pursue peace? If you're trying to pursue peace, if you're trying to restore, there's a good shot that those things will happen. But if your motives are not clear, they're not clean and not pure, it's not going to work. So the goal of loving confrontation is to restore oneness in your marriage or your relationship. That's what loving confrontation is for. Uh, Galatians 6.1, if you can go to the next slide, I have another scripture, which I love. Brothers and sisters, if a person is caught doing something wrong, those of you who are spiritual should restore that person gently. Watch out for yourselves so that you are not tempted as well. So if I'm trying to restore Chris gently, uh, I might have a shot at restoring that peace. If not, if it's in an angry way, so now I'm confronting her in an angry way, and it's going to tempt her and me to just have a big blow up, which is not what I'm trying to do. So, so this is really uh, just a small sampling of a much larger issue which kind of originates from our fallen nature. Uh, and it is also attempts by the enemy, his continued efforts, and believe me, 
he's going to go from now to the end of time because it's been going on from the beginning of time. Uh, he's going to keep going. And what he's trying to do, he's trying to destroy an institution that God designed. It's called marriage. He's trying to destroy that. Real quick, I remember the, the weekend to remember that uh, Greg was talking? Yes. Real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so we were at a weekend to remember, and one of the, uh, it was the last day. It was the, the first one we went to. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the last day was a fellow named Greg, and one thing he talked about is, you know, he said, loving, you know, we tend to love when we feel like it. Uh, you know, you don't feel like loving me today, honey. I don't feel like being nice to you today. Love is not about feeling. It's about choosing to love. And he said, but I've got to tell you, We've had a wonderful weekend here. You've learned some wonderful things about how to relate to one another with love and peace. But he said, I got to tell you, as soon as you get in the car and you turn out of here, Satan is going to be right there ready to pounce on you. As soon as you walk as out the door. As soon as you walk out the door, he's waiting for you to wipe that smile and that peaceful way out. And it's funny. We got in the car... We went to pull out. One of our one of our arguments still to this day is in the car, driving, driving. directions, speeding. Christine's a navigator. I have he's going in and out too fast and getting a crook in my neck and you know. As soon as we turn the corner to get out of there. He went the wrong way. I went the wrong way. I'm He's cursing. He's cursing. In the car. Now it's going to take us forever to get home. And Christine says, Ben, what did Greg just tell you? You know what's going on here, don't you? I was like, wow. Yes. His whole demeanor change. I do know what's just going on now. So kind of like, think that. Remember. So you have to intentionally yeah. be aware of that spiritual attack when it comes. Because as sure as you're born, it's coming. So just be aware of that. Uh, so, but last, but certainly not least, in marriage, there are basically two directions that people tend to move in. And you are either moving toward oneness in your marriage, okay? You're either moving towards oneness as a couple, or you are drifting towards isolation. That means that she's going to be over there, and you're going to be over here. So you have to make some conscious decisions in your life uh, not to let your marriage or your relationship drift towards isolation. The way you did it, like a, like a... <laughs> See, I can still make her laugh. After 31 years. It's like a price is right. <laughs> but I just want to say, if your marriage or your relationship is drifting towards isolation, just remember, you don't know where that's going to end. So try to get back on track. Uh, and uh, it's been oh, wonderful. Thanks, <laughs> I want to I mention, we want to make sure that we solve this. Uh, again, these Weekend to Remember Family Life Retreats are really, really good. Uh, we have been to four, three, four? I think it's three, he thinks I think four. it's four. But we continue to go back to them. Uh, in the beginning, it started for us working on our marriage. But honestly speaking now, when we go, we do some of the sessions, 
But now for us, it's about getting a free weekend away from Richard while someone else is holding <laughs> So we don't do all the sessions. We'll do some of them. Then we kind of just go about our own thing, just, hey, we're away. We're not worried about Richard. We can sleep. <laughs> so I hope we've, uh, I hope we've uh, given folks some good things to think about. I hope it's been beneficial to you, and we enjoy doing this. Thank you. Thank you. Right, let's give them a standing ovation, can you? Come on, let's give them a standing ovation. What an awesome, awesome, awesome. Come on, we can do better than that. That was amazing. And what an amazing. You see why I, uh, Ray and I absolutely love uh, Ben and Chris. We actually love them so much. Uh, and, um, you know, we've gone out to dinner a couple times and just to sit around somebody who has uh, 30 plus years of wisdom in marriage, uh, it's a blessing to us. And RCC, we're so blessed to have them here. Aren't we blessed? We're just so blessed to have them here with us. And so just stand to your feet. We're about to, uh, uh, I just want to say a prayer over you today, and then we're going to do one thing and we're going to let you out of here. But man, uh, what an amazing, amazing message. Uh, life changing and really. If you apply these principles, it'll make, I don't care what stage you are in any relationship, whether you are uh, single, thinking about marriage one day, or you're uh, thinking about getting engaged, or you're dating someone, or you're married, they gave many nuggets that uh, you can say, I can use that. I mean, I was sitting there just saying, oh yeah, we can use that, we can use that, we can use that. And so um, I just want to say a prayer. Father, we just thank you for uh, ben and Chris, we thank you for the gift that they are to the body of Christ. And God, then we thank you for the gift they are to our church. And Father, we just thank you, God, that as that word would fall today, it was a blessing to the hearer. And God, we thank you that uh, the enemy will not be able to take that seed and pull it out of the good soil of our heart. We pray that your angels watch over that seed today and that seed that they have planted in our hearts, let it bring forth good fruit and that that fruit may remain. We thank you that your word brings change, that your word does it all by itself. It's so profound and so powerful. We thank you, God, for marriage, the institution of marriage and family that's under attack in our nation, in the world today, but it's something that you instituted. And Father, we're going to hold up that banner. Father, we just thank you that let RCC be a church of strong marriages, strong relationships, that we may exemplify who you are, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. If you believe it, clap those hands and give Jesus praise. Now, while you're standing before we do this last thing, if your head's about, if you're here and you say, uh, Pastor Andre, I'm not saved, I don't know Jesus. You may be here today, maybe it's your first time, second time, third time. Or maybe you've never received Christ, or maybe you received Christ, but you backslid and you've kind of fell away from who Christ is. While those heads are bowed, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, all these great things, these transformation that Betty Chris spoke of today was because they were putting Christ at the center of their marriage. And without Christ, everything falls apart. He is the glue that holds together. So. If you're here, you're not saved, or those heads about, just raise your hand. We'll pray with you. We'll lead you to Christ. If you say, I'm not saved, I don't know Jesus. The Bible says you confess with your mouth 
but believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again. The Bible says you shall be saved. It's that simple. You don't have to fall on the floor, run around, just a confession. That's how powerful your words are, but you mean it from your heart. Is there one today? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We pray everybody's safe. Look at your name before you sit down and say, I hope to see you in heaven. Just tell them, I hope to see you in heaven. Grab your seat for two minutes. We're going to let you go. Just grab your seat for two minutes. Two minutes. Now, real quickly, how many people are enjoying these series? I mean, it's, it's, it's man, what an awesome series. Uh, and as a church, we want to continue to put on series that meet the need of, of those who are coming to RCC so that you can invite people out. So we want to give you an opportunity to sow into this soil. If it's your first time here, we ask feel no pressure to give. But if you're a part of RCC, we ask that you be a consistent tither and a consistent giver. And so uh, some of you may want to give by app, as Pastor Rick was talking about before. Uh, you can download the app and give by app. That's fine. If you want to let the church.